Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the adoptive mother of four kids, but as you know, we did say yes to seven private infant adoptions. So our journey has been filled with a lot of heartbreak, but also great joy. And that's really what adoption is about. I've learned empathy and patience. And Adoption Now has become a place where you can find community for all walks of your adoption journey. I just had someone send me a message saying, April, I just wanted to say, I'm so glad you're back. I'm a 24-year-old adoptee and your podcast was the first adoption resource I found back in 2019. So blessed to have found you all. Thank you for all you do. I love that. I love that we're reaching adoptees, adoptive parents, birth parents, and bringing that triad together. And today we have a very special guest. And I I just really think God must love me because he hears my prayers. And she is a definite answer to prayer for our family. Alexia McLeod had her marketing team reach out to us and see if we'd be interested in interviewing her. She is an experienced therapist with 20 years in adoption therapy, postpartum counseling. She does divorce therapy, marriage, and family counseling. Alexia does home studies also for families in Florida and even does birth parent counseling. She's amazing. Alexia, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much. That was a great intro. (laughs) (laughs) I know we can just end the show now, right? (laughs) You know what I feel like when I met you, I feel like you're a gold ticket. Like I just got a candy bar and I got the gold ticket because you are just, you're a treasure. I mean, really the way the show works together and I say it all the time, it is such a blessing to be meeting people as I'm interviewing and how much they're helping my family. Well, you know what? This has been a blessing to me to be able to be in this auspice, this um, category of adoption and really seeing people's dreams come through through adoption. I want to hear about your story and kind of what led you to Florida and working in adoption. Well, you know, for me, it was like you say, it was a God thing because I was actually going through a divorce at the time. And I decided to move back to South Florida and ended up landing a job with a hospital that was an adoption-friendly hospital. And just like many people, the things I knew about adoption was that there were these amazing people that came in and they saved all these babies. And that was the truth. But you know what? The other side of it is I saw the birth parent side. The birth parent choices I would co-facilitate. I actually um, helped to write the policies for all the uh, tenant facilities, tenant hospital facilities. And I just learned so much about the things that they went through and to make it a positive experience. And it was actually an attorney that I worked with um, just through doing adoptions at the hospital that encouraged me to go out on my own and gave me my first case. And it has not stopped since then. (laughs) That's amazing. Tell us what an adoption-friendly hospital is. So there are some hospitals that are very familiar with doing adoptions. And for anybody that out there that has adopted, it can be a really uh, anxious time in many people's lives because you're, you're waiting for the birth parent to deliver. You're hoping that everything works out as planned. And there's times that, you know, the hospital facilities will know that process. 
So an adoption-friendly hospital is one that they are familiar, not just familiar with adoption, but they have a policy in place, and they really do meet the needs of all auspices. They may even have rooming in for the, the pending adoptive parents at that time so that they can come in and learn how to care for their new baby. I wish I knew that before I started the journey, <laughs> that there are hospitals that will help you on your journey or understand the process and can take yeah. care of the mother and can be sensitive to you as well. We were yeah. in one in Florida and then we were in one that was not. And the difference was night and day, night and day. Yeah. I mean, they were calling in and the one that was not adoption friendly, they were calling in foster care because our attorney didn't get there. And we're like, mm. no, 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 this this baby has an adoption plan because when foster care, and you know this, is called in, oh, that's a whole different It's a whole different game. story. Yes. Yeah. It can be like so, like I say, it can make you like anxious. And depending on who you have that's working in that whole process, if they're there, if they're not there, a lot of the hospitals that are not adoption friendly or do not have that plan presented to them ahead of time or don't know the worker they are not as sensitive to the to the process of adoption, knowing that you are going to be there, even that this plan started way before this person landed at the hospital. So, you know, education is key. And I've made it a key point in my career to make sure to go to different hospitals, even go to the same hospital that I that I wrote the policies for and to really just re-educate them on the process of adoption and how to make it a pleasant process for all people involved. Alexia, one of the nurses said to my birth mother, you don't have to do this. Don't do this. Mm. And when I left and my birth mother started going into active labor, she refused to call me. It was another nurse that stepped in and said, we, we have to do this. This is what she is asking. The birth mother is asking for her. Mm -hmm. We have to call her. But I couldn't believe that that was going on in the room, that they were sharing their opinions. Yep. It's not uncommon. And, you know, and, and that's why, you know, even so more important to like, when I have clients, I literally will go to the hospitals before, whether it's adoption friendly or not, and offer a, a little education on it. And to really, you know, on the, we're always so pleasant, you know, I'm the nice one with my clients, but when I go into that hospital, you got to be really strong and say, look, this is a plan. This is what's on there. I don't want anybody to interfere with my adoption. The choice is hers. And really to go through the whole auspice of things, to let them know even, you know, when our is signing, who comes in, who comes out, you know, and really the, the birth parent, the birth parent is there and can make those choices and really should have written up a plan ahead of time. So to present that plan, mm -hmm. you know, and to let them know that I will be there and I will be, I want to know what their rules for adoption are, if they have any, who's going to evaluate the client, that is perfectly fine, but I will be there. And so will the attorney. And, you know, if allowed to, if she wants as a visitor, the, um, the pending adoptive parents, because it's important and she's chosen for them to be there, maybe even at delivery. Mm -hmm. You know, you are also counseling birth parents too. So you yes. can relate to both sides, which I love, right? You're not standing up for one or the other, but you're just trying to, to make sure that what is in place can be in place, right? And if the birth 100%. mother changes her mind, you also have something in place for that too. When you sit down with her, you were telling me that you sit down with her and say, okay, what's your plan? Talk to me about that. Yeah. Well, so the plan starts a long time before. So there are certain things emotionally that I expect for a birth mother to go through because the reality is, is that if any mother had the means, the emotional means, the financial means to support alongside 
to be able to parent, the majority of them would. Mm -hmm. They would choose to do so. And for them to make this brave choice to consider adoption as a third choice, uh, to be able to consider that and to make that their first choice is so important. So I walk through the emotional aspects with that parent as well, letting them know that, guess what, this, no matter how confident you are, this is going to come up. And let's go back to the reasons why you felt that this was the best plan for you. Why did you choose these parents? What are the reasons why? And whether it's before they get to that hospital, usually before they get to the hospital, we're doing that counseling. But when they're there, I expect it. Day two is like my day. When they deliver, that's day one, the day two that they're in there and they still have another because they have 48 hours in Florida before they sign that day two, all the emotions start to come up, mm-hmm. you know, but walking through with them and saying, what is going to be the best for you? Do not let anybody tell you that you, as some birth mothers choose not to see the baby because it's too emotional. Some of them choose to, but whatever they choose to do during that process is right. Some of them choose to have the adoptive parents because they've created such a bond in that delivery room and they're with them and they want them to room in another room in the hospital. And if that can be accommodated, that is your choice. Because, you know, this is such an important process and one of the most important things that you're going to do in order to give your child the life that you couldn't offer them at this time, you're creating it for them mm-hmm. through, an, through an adoptive family. So going back to those things, really, it's a assist to make it a much smoother process. Mm-hmm. And if they choose to parent, then you're making a plan with that, too. Who's going to support you? How are you going to get diapers? Yes. How are you going to get formula? Yeah. And I feel like that would give me peace. If I knew that she chose to parent, even though it would be heartbreaking as an adoptive mother, if I knew that she had something in place and she had support and the baby wasn't going to, you know, not have food or that there was a plan, I would feel better. 100%. And, you know, important to know, too, is that, you know, when this goes through, when when any patient is inside of the hospital and they're delivering, we have to, you know, everybody has to make sure that they're going to have what they need. And again, if they decide not to, that's another thing that your adoption professional should walk through. Usually your social worker or the therapist or the home study provider, if they're in there with you, they're, I mean, in there with, and when I say you, I mean the birth, birth mother, they're going to go through, okay, so you've decided to do this. So now, now let's do our reality check. Where are the diapers coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, who do you have, where do you have to live? Because the reality is, is when you do an adoption, you're getting financial assistance, but that ends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how are you going to make it work? Now you're going to have to go back to work. Who's going to watch this kid? Mm-hmm. You know, so walking through that, and if they can do it, then more power. You know, I'll even assist them with getting the resources and things together, the numbers that they need to call and everything else to make sure that it's going to be a positive choice for them because it is their choice, you know, mm-hmm. but it really is. being realistic. So it's not an emotional choice versus a, a really pointed choice that they've been making throughout the whole process. I always say it's their baby. It's not your baby. It's their baby. Mm -hmm. And even going into the hospital like that, that you are a visitor. You really are. You're a visitor. And this is her baby. And this is her moment. And if she chooses to bring you in, what an amazing thing. I mean, what a special gift that she gives you. And I know that you have seen that a lot. Talk to us about what it's like when you watch a plan get walked out, but the parents are in there with the birth mother, and they are together in it, and they have a special relationship. Tell us about that. It is such a beautiful thing. And one of the things that I really strive to do in my adoptions because there's several different types of adoptions, the amount of openness that you can have. But I do strive to have semi-open um, or open adoptions to where the, the birth parent and the adoptive parent, they can kind of get to know each other. And this is done very safely to where there's no last names. Nobody's going to each other's house or sharing, you know, certain, you know, 
information about each other. But when they have that sense of comfortability, then usually the birth mother requests and they say, you know, this is your baby. And I want for you to be in there. I want for dad to cut the cord or for mom to cut the cord. I want for, I want for this to happen. And it really causes a sense of ease for them as well, too, to see the, the adoptive parents really caring for this baby and loving on this baby because this is what they desired is to have a great family that would take care of their, their child, their birth child. So it's, it's beautiful. To answer the question, it's, it's such an amazing process when done correctly. And it takes a lot of preparation on both sides with the adoptive parents and with the birth parents to be able to, you know, set things up so that they feel comfortable and they know that this was the choice that they made and they're giving this child a gift, you know, mm-hmm. and they're giving it's a gift for all parties involved. I always say a gift for the child, a gift for the adoptive parents, but even a gift to the, uh, the, the birth parents mm-hmm. because now they're able to put themselves in a position where they had an unplanned or unexpected pregnancy and they were still able to bless another family and definitely to bless this kid and to give them an opportunity to have a new lease on life and do things differently. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about what you tell adoptive parents. How do you train them? And I always ask this question because <laughs> my life was totally changed when I watched the show, I'm Having Their Baby. Do you remember that show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, what not to do, basically. You're watching it and you're watching these adoptive parents come into the room right after she's given birth and they bring mm-hmm. their photographers and they grab the baby and you're like, oh my gosh, no, everything you're doing it's, it's a lot. is wrong. And so kind of changing that and saying, okay, adoptive parents, this is how we're going to do the training. What do you tell them? Well, what I tell them and even to you know start from the beginning, because if I was to do a, a home study or the, the adoption therapy, because some people choose to do the adoption therapy throughout, is here are the realistic expectations. I mean, in the, the hospital plan or the being with the mom is one, right? But there's so much other things that come. But if I was to, I'm going to go to the hospital plan first. This is right now the hardest time of the birth mother's life mm-hmm. ever. So we have to respect that first. Whether or not she wrote in there that she's going to want you there, she may choose at some point to say, I just need time alone with this kid. I need time alone with my baby because these are, you have a lifetime and I have 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And if that is the case, then you have to respect that. I understand that anxieties are going to come up. Trust me, even when you don't hear from me, I'm there. (laughs) We are there, you know, so you're going to hear information back and forth. But my priority at that point is really going to be making sure that she's making a sound decision and a decision based on what she desires for this child. And typically it's going to go along with whatever we planned, but you have to be patient, you know? So you have to be patient during that. When it comes down to like being, everybody wants you, you're having a new baby and this is the adoptive parent's baby. So you want the photographers, you want all of these different things that are there, but you have to think of the best time in your life is the worst time for her. Mm-hmm. Yep, your greatest day is my saddest mm-hmm. day for them. And 100%. really keeping that in your mind and in your heart yeah. can help you. I think where people sometimes struggle in the beginning is adoption is like nothing you've ever done before, ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're talking about putting money towards something and you're not sure what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, if you purchase something, a material item, and you save up and you go through all these hoops and you do all this paperwork and you, let's say, go buy a car, you're going to get a car and you can demand to have that car, right? Because you put the money, you did the work and you should have that car. And if you don't get it, you're going to talk to a manager, right? Right. 
this is a whole different thing, right? This is a human life and you're putting in thousands of dollars. You're doing all the background check. You're, you know, getting your CPR certification. You're jumping through all these hoops. And at the end of the day, you don't exactly know what's going to happen at the hospital. You don't know if you're actually going to get the baby. You don't know what's in front of you. And that is very daunting. And sometimes people can go into it very demanding. Well, you know, and this is why like one of my biggest tips that I give is really you have to sort through your emotions, sort through your emotions. And you have to really recognize, you know, here is a risk that I am going into, you know, and how am I what what is going to be my mind frame? Every baby that is meant for you will be for you. Mm. And there's sometimes that it's so disappointing because, you know, every now and again, I mean, I've been doing this for a lot of years and I've had two, two people in 15 years that have said, I, I don't think I can do this. So the majority, but one of the differences with the way how I do it is that therapy during the process is a must for the birth parents. Mm. And what, what happens is that when you have therapy, you, number one, you have eyes on them. They feel, they're feeling close to, the, to all sides of everything now. They're feeling close to their therapist. They're feeling like they can create a relationship with you and that you can, you know, the therapist can be the buffer. They're telling you the deepest. We're working through the emotions with them. So if I was to have the biggest piece of advice for anybody that is adopting is to ensure that your birth mother is having birth parent counseling. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to, it's that like, when that happens, the, the fall throughs are minimal. <laughs> I needed you. Are minimal. I needed uh. you during all my Florida adoptions. <laughs> I mean, having you there would have changed everything. We kind of did it alone and we were just so confused and didn't know how to do paperwork and we didn't have proper counseling. We we're like, this can't be right. And what's going to happen? You know, and you're there to say, okay, this is totally normal or this is not normal. And we're going to do this, you know, hundred percent. And you know, what ends up, I mean, and I guess just cause I mean, I have, I've been doing this for a long time. I work a certain way. I actually have like check off sheets for everybody. Here's what we got. Here's what we need from when you're doing your home study to everything else. So we, you know, where you're at, I leave open for like, you know, therapeutic time with me or questions asked, because there's a lot of questions that are going to come up. I feel like it's so important to prepare adoptive parents for the things that are going to come, you know, and really and truly, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else, everybody needs to make a big step to don't just choose a attorney or a home study provider or a therapist that's dealing with adoption. Choose somebody that has been recommended very, very highly, because just like in any profession, there's going to be a lot of people that they say they do things, but are they really experienced and do they have a good track record in doing it? So it's important to find someone that can walk you through. Adoption can be super confusing, you know, so if you're walking with somebody like myself or through my practice that can really tell you, okay, here, you do have to home study is one of the most important things that you have to get. Absolutely. You know, here's some questions that you need to ask yourself about, like, you know, the financial aspect. Yes, let's answer some questions about that. You know, the emotional aspect. What type of child would you like? Are you open to a child with special needs? You know, how much, you know, do you, is, what if the child was exposed to, to any substance? Are you okay with that or not? And then we can go through and we can, you can actually send you to a pediatrician or to a doctor to ask some pointed questions, even medically, if for whatever reason, before your match, you're having questions about saying, this is okay, this is not. Because I think like April, when I was talking to you before, I said, listen, we, you know, our birth children now, I had to get what I get. I get what I get here. When you're talking about adopting, you can actually choose. So if you want a boy, you want a girl, you want an older child, you want somebody with special needs, this is what you're going to get. 
Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's being able to talk that through and not being shy about asking questions because the right professional is going to have the answers or they're definitely going to have the resources to get them for you. You know, so even deciding like, you know, what type of adoption is good for you? Do you want a totally closed adoption? Do you want to open? Do you want a semi-open adoption? What do those things mean? You know, and what happens? Is it done right after your adoption? No, you still have, I mean, at least here in Florida, we have post-placement supervision, which is really, it's, let me tell you, I've done, I've, I've done a plethora of uh, home studies and adoptions. And I tell you what, my, from years ago, I'm still having people send me pictures. And even though we've done the post-placement supervision, they still want to like send me pictures and tell me how the kids do it. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And that lets, it lets not just, not just us know that this was the perfect fit, that mom chose you, right? But this lets the court and everybody else know that this is how amazing, look how this child is adjusting in this home mm-hmm. with their new parents. And it's, it's awesome. I love, I love that you said every baby that is meant for you will be for you. And that's Mm -hmm. hard sometimes when you're in the midst of a placement that didn't go through and you don't have a baby and you went through all of it and it didn't go the way that you thought. And you go home and you just think, I really wanted that baby. And to keep reminding yourself, okay, but the baby that is meant for you is coming. That's what we always say on the show. Don't give up hope. The baby is coming. And I think about what I went through in Florida the first time. And I think about adopting Lily and saying, no, I won't do any of these things. And here I am in the situation where I'm saying yes to all the things (laughs) and getting prepared to detox and and do all the things in the hospital that I was not thinking I was going to go through. And I just felt so encouraged that the baby that was supposed to come to me will come to me. And even if she wasn't going to come to me, I was there for a reason. I had to walk through this for a reason, whether it was for the birth parents, whether it was to learn something. And that is really, really important. That's why we do the show, right? Is because we want people to know, hey, don't always look at just the baby, but the whole story is really for you, whether you get the baby or not. And then we always have people come on the show and they're like, and then I was directed this way and I got the baby this way, you know, and it, ends happy, but it's really hard to walk through. And you're just such a great professional and you are so encouraging. And I seriously wish we had hired you in this process. For the next one. Yes. Yes. You're going to help me now though. And I, I love that. I do want to share a little bit about what we're going through as a family, but I wanted to say, how, how do people hire you? I mean, who do you work for? The, the attorneys? Well, I am a total private practice, so I am, I get to choose who I work with, and I do. I have attorneys that are even out of state that may be doing a Florida adoption. So typically, people will look, you can look, my name, I have to spell the last one. It's Alexia at AlexiaMcLeod.com is my email, or the AlexiaMcLeod.com on, on, um, on the, my website, and you can just look me up and give me a call, or call 561-835-5787. And I would love to just assist. And this is one of the favorite parts of my practice. You can see how I get excited, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> because to me, it's to be able to to be able to help somebody to like to complete their family. That's like awesome, and it is a journey, you know. And if I can make it a little bit easier, it's that is like it's a blessing to me to be able to 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 do that. So I mean, please reach out. And you also do things like finding out if the birth mother that you are connected with is really pregnant. 
Mm-hmm. I do. So from in the beginning, when we <laughs> when we first, as soon as sometimes birth mothers may call me directly. A lot of times they'll call the attorneys that I work with or the agencies that I may that may reach out to me, and we do a birth parent interview. Now, in that birth parent interview, it is as it's it's as strenuous as your home study. And for anybody that's done a home study, you know what I'm talking about. So it's, you know, I go through and I do an assessment and there's certain things that they have to present. There is proof of proof of pregnancy. Now, you can't just come to me with like a stick saying that you're pregnant. We, I need to send you if you haven't already been to a, a OBGYN or to a doctor so that we can get it estimated. Here in Florida, we very much believe in, in getting the, all the medicals. So we want just, we, I do a full assessment of, uh, is there any mental health issue, issues? You know, is she pregnant and how far along is she? Has she been pregnant before? Has there been any issues with any of her babies before? Has she been premature? Has she been C-section? All these different things are going to help in the, in the process of the adoption. I've also gone as far as to a lot of times these, they, these girls don't have a way to go to the doctor. I could Uber them or I could mm-hmm. take them myself. I like to go myself and we've built, built up a rapport. I mean, obviously we have, you know, releases for all these different things, but we built up such a rapport that they speak freely. They want me in the room and I've been in several deliveries. It's so good to be able to have them be open so that I can make sure that the adopt, the pending adoptive parents are going to know about the baby that they're receiving. Mm. So, yeah, because there's many times in a lot of different places, you know, and even like in closed adoptions, you know, those are kind of yesteryear, but where you didn't get all the medical information or you didn't know a lot of anything about the person that you were adopting for, you just, we want a baby and you get one. So, but it is, um, it is, it's beneficial to both parties to be able to share that information and so that you you know if guess what if if mom has a history of of high blood pressure or diabetes or she's allergic to certain things you want to make sure that you're looking out for those things for your child as well too. And you can also have birth parents sign off early to see medical records. Really, really oh, important. We do. That's. I know that seems like everybody, but not every state or every agency yeah. talks about that. And mm-hmm. you can get that, and so that you can call the doctor anytime as well and say, hey, how was the, you know, last visit and what happened? Um, And then they can release that information to you. Absolutely. So if, you know, if I'm on a case and to me, it's imperative that I have those medical records as well. I want to, I want to know if I'm working, even if I'm working with the birth mother, if I'm working with the other side, but especially when I'm working with the birth mother, all these releases have to be signed. And we do that at the first meeting. So I have the release to from your attorney to your, you know, because it's all different attorneys from your attorney or chosen provider to um, anybody medically that you're seeing so that I can kind of keep tabs and help to guide you to if they need resources or referrals to go anyplace else. And I can help to set that up for them so that it's done. So we want to make sure we take care of these birth mothers as they're, you know, as they're pregnant so that we they deliver a happy and healthy baby. Mm-hmm. So uh, by all means necessary. Which can help tremendously. Um, Absolutely. No, they're walking. They into. love it. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about why I said that you were the golden ticket. Uh. Why I said <laughs> I needed you so much. Um, the first question I asked you was, how do you feel about interracial families? Because you're placing a lot of different babies in Florida, right? What do you tell yes. families and how do you feel about interracial adoptions? I, I feel it is an amazing thing. I think that, you know, there are so many people that desire to have babies. 
and will love and protect and raise this child because it is yours. I never says like it's yours. This child is yours if you have adopted. And I think that it is a beautiful thing when people adopt from a, a different race. I, I always um, advise them. I'm like, let's look up. Let's look up the history. Let's, I actually give them, um, they, we call them EDs or just educational tools that they have to do that I'll actually put in the home study as well, that they took this. If it's a African-American kid, how to do hair <laughs> right. or just, you know, just the different things. And they get excited because they'll go on the websites and they'll start to say, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Or if it's somebody from, you know, from any place else or any other culture, I think that it's amazing. So you can teach a child about their culture as well, too. So when I started the process, I didn't realize if we went outside of our race that that would be a difficult thing as far as mm-hmm. how people view your family or opinions. Yeah. And we had just gone through as a family an, a hard situation. And I shared a little bit with you. Um, and we we don't get this a lot, but this happened to be the worst situation. We put our kids in track and... Uh, we we did an all African-American team, which felt really great at first until my kids started getting really good and beating the other kids. And then it became an issue, <laughs> right? <laughs> which can happen no matter what. It, it can be difficult. But my daughter, who is six, won. She won out of 64 girls that were wow. uh, seven and eight-year-olds, and she was six at the time. She wow. was in the top 10. And she worked hard for it. And it was phenomenal. I mean, we were so proud of her. It was a huge meet. And we knew she was going to get a ribbon. And so the head of our team went to go get the ribbons. We were having a big team dinner. And we made it a big deal because she had had kind of a hard year just educationally. And and so this was a big success for her. So we were all going to go and she was going to get this ribbon. And AJ had done awesome too and and really PR'd and done just, just great. But we really celebrated Vivi. And when we went to the dinner, the lady told us that she did not get a ribbon. And we were like, no, she did. And we went back. And then we called the head of the track meet. And they're like, yes, she did. She's in the top 10. She refused to give her the ribbon. And then she asked me to step outside. And she was talking to me and saying, you know, you treat your child like they're special. And like all of our kids deserve ribbon, she said, which... Yes, I do believe every child deserves a ribbon, but mine won. This is about, you know, she accomplished something. I'm not asking you to, to do something she didn't earn. And she, she refused. And I didn't know what was really going on here. I just said to Mm -hmm. her, I just want you to know, it's not me you're hurting. It's a Mm six-year-old little girl sitting in there that really needed to accomplish something and she did and she deserves that ribbon in the days to come we got a text message that said um that they did not understand our kind and yeah it was very clear at that moment oh my gosh like what are we in the middle of Mm. and how do we recover from this as a family because i was not going to let my kids run on a team that if they accomplished the goal didn't get the prize. Yeah. You know, that's not a good lesson. If you work hard, you deserve the prize. And she did. And I just was crushed. She was crushed. AJ was crushed. And the whole family was affected. So we decided, okay, we're not going to do this. We're not going to run a track. We're not going to, we need to figure this out as a family. Um, we need to talk about some race issues. I, I you mm-hmm. know, and we were just overwhelmed when all of a sudden I'm talking to you in a pre-interview 
And we took our kids to the pediatrician and she's like, listen, I think you guys need to get a counselor just to sit down with you, talk about some really hard issues um, and just help each other through it, help your kids. And, you know, we, obviously we're Caucasian parents. We have three African-American children and one Hispanic. And how can we just get somebody in the mix to kind of guide us and lead us? So the day that I talked to you, I was like, oh my gosh, I just have to tell you the story. <laughs> and you were so loving, but you said something that completely changed the way we approached it. You said, I'm going to cry. And I even practiced this in the car and said, don't cry. But you said to me, now Vivi knows that Vivi is fast and she knows that her mom has her back. Yep. That's what she knows out of that situation. Mm -hmm. And to encourage her that way, instead of saying, well, there's these things and not that we're ignoring other things, but to encourage her that she saw that her family would rally for her and that we weren't going to let people talk down to her or us, you know, that, that we had done nothing wrong by asking for that ribbon and she deserved it. And that's it. And then we're moving that's on. It. And we've invited you to come into our family and to kind of help us guide us through this. But I'll tell you, that changed everything. I'm so glad. I'm glad that, that, that we're, the, those words, which come from my heart, it, it's the truth. Because, you know, there's so many times, and I, I, I will say, you know, as, as a, a non-Caucasian that lives here in America, you know, there's, that wasn't born here and didn't experience like, you know, I didn't really experience any racism, I think, until I moved here, it can go both ways. And a lot of people don't, they don't get that racism is not just a one-sided. Mm -hmm. It can go anyways. And it is a lesson that, you know, your, that your kids, not just, not just her, you know, your lesson that your kids can all learn that, you know what, as long as your family has your back, then you're always going to be okay because you know who you are and you know who your, your parents are raising you to be. Mm -hmm. And that's it, you know? And I, um, I, I just even to, to look, because everybody is not going to like us or like the choices that we make or the things that we do. But when you do it with your heart and you know that it is the best decision for you, it is the best decision, period. And that's when you kind of, you did the right thing. You just kind of move away from that group. If they're not for you, then it's okay. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be people that are, and your kids will see that too. So bravo to you. You are such a gift to the adoption community just that you would come in and that you would support families and that you would support the adoption story as a whole, that you would come and get into the trenches with us, right? And that you would help counsel us through and counsel birth parents through so that this can be healthy. That's what we all want. We want healthy families because adoption is not going away. We're not doing away no. with adoption. In fact, it's increased with yes. all of these parents who have struggled with infertility, we are seeing a huge increase in adoption and, and some of us just don't know how to navigate through it. And so being able to connect with you now, I don't even live in the same state as you and you're able to help our family and you can do that for other people as well. I know I have listeners who struggle with the same thing. I have like goosebumps right now because I, I get messages all the time from moms like me that are like, <laughs> I'm just trying to do the best I can. And it's really hard for for my family to be upsetting to people or to spark on the race issue. And how do I handle that and be a, a great mom, right? Being a mom alone is exhausting. Being a mom alone is exhausting. What, you know, and the reality is, is that regardless of what, there's always going to be issues that come up. 
And your children, whether, I don't care what race they are, they're going to encounter some time mm-hmm. in their life where somebody doesn't like them for something that has nothing to do with it. We don't have a choice, right? And you all are amazing to say, I just want to love on these babies and they're minded. It doesn't matter what color they are. And if you have an issue with that, then that's your issue. It's not ours. Mm-hmm. You know, and teaching your kids to, to, to be raised in love. You know, and not really to take that and to understand that it is going to come because we can't deny that it's certain things are going to come at them. Right. Mm -hmm. But to always know, just like I said, that your parents are always going to have your back. And that's you just don't want to be around those people or you want to be able to navigate it so that you can still succeed, not holding that as a detriment to you, but holding it as something because you have the knowledge ahead of time that you're going to use that as a step up to go around and to show people who you are. And it's not just the color of your skin. So good. You're amazing. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And I hope that people will reach out to you. I know they will because you're such uh, a strong person. You've been doing this for so long and you're just a great voice to the community. Tell us again how yeah, people can get a hold you. of you. You can reach out to me directly by calling the office at 561-835-5787 or feel free to just reach out to me by email at Alexia, A-L-E-X, dot com, And I look forward to hearing from you and answering your questions very soon. Thank you again. And thank you for listening. We'd love for you to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media. Thanks for joining us on your adoption show. See you next week.